the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. From the Comey Memos. The president brought up the golden showers thing, and it really bothered him. If his wife had any doubt about it, he then pivoted to the Russians wanting an apology from Bill O'Reilly. I said I had seen that in Bill O'Reilly's reply, which was to call him in 2023. The president then said O'Reilly's question about whether he respected Putin had been a hard one. Redacted sentence. He said he does respect the leader of a major country, and he thought that that was the best answer. He then said, you think my answer was good, right? I said the answer was fine, except the part about killers, because we aren't the kind of killers that Putin is. When I said this, the president paused noticeably. I don't know what to make of it, but he clearly noticed I had directly criticized him. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program. How do you respond? I'm still causing trouble after all this time. I know, I know. Um, I think that my question was a good one, a penetrating question Uh to the newly uh, elected president of the United States that, you know, how are you going to deal with this uh, dictator in Russia? Because the guy is a ruthless killer. And the answer came back that, well, we're not, our country's not all that clean as well. Um, you know, my job is to ask the hardest questions I can ask. I did that. Uh, the answer, I think, was a dodge. You know, he didn't answer the question. I mean, right. are you going to deal with the right. killer or are you not going to deal with the killer? What do you think has uh, been redacted here, Bill? Well, I don't know what Trump told Comey about Putin, but it would have to be something about Putin okay. to redact it so that he might have said something about Putin that could hurt national security at this point. So that that is my guess on what would be redacted. Is there anything, Bill, is it weird to know that the President of the United States, behind closed doors, talking to the FBI director, is whining about your questions? I wouldn't say whining is a fair uh, characterization of that, Stu. Uh, that interview <laughs> was... What would you characterize it at? He's saying I, he I wanted an apology from you. He wanted an apology for a, for a normal question about world relations? That's not whining. You wouldn't describe if Barack Obama was whining about something like that? You wouldn't describe no, it that I'd way? Say, I'd say it was, he was concerned about it because the interview got international play. Yeah, he and said. That, you'll remember that Putin was demanding an apology from me, and I just said, yeah, yeah. I'll give you one in <laughs> eight years. I'll think it over. Yeah. Um, so it was a big deal because it rankled Putin. And so he was concerned. Yeah. And he did say, he said, O'Reilly's question about whether he respected Putin had been a hard one. He's not saying, I want an apology. He's saying, Putin now wants an apology. Yeah. And that was a hard question to answer. I, I, you know, I tried to, I respect him as a world leader. Right. And his, and Comey was like, well, yes, but, you know, the killer part was a little disturbing. Right. But remember something here that. James Comey is not your correspondent of objectivity. (laughs) All right? When he writes these memos, he's writing them to CYA, cover his butt. The initials don't really, you know. But that's why he's doing it. CYB. Yeah. Yeah. He's not doing it 
to relate to the American people, here's exactly what happened. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, um, uh, you know, for a guy who has always takes copious notes, you know, contemporaneous, uh, contemporaneous notes, uh, and uh, he always documents meetings. I'm amazed that he doesn't have anything on Loretta Lynch, on Hillary Clinton. It's just Donald Trump. I don't know what kind of memos that Comey has or has not. I mean, Congress asked him for the memos with Trump, so he may have other uh, musings about about Lynch and, and Hillary Clinton. But I think that it's important for your listeners and for the American public to understand that even if you're the head of the FBI or if you're the head of the CIA, the primary thing in your mind is protecting yourself from anything. That's what they do. That's how they get to these positions. Mm-hmm. All right? They're not Elliot Ness. It's not uh, the crime busters. These are bureaucrats. These are people yep. who are saying, well, maybe down the line somebody's going to do this, so I'll cover my butt now and say this and write this. That's what they do. So to take it as gospel is ridiculous. That's his interpretation. I'm sure if you had Trump in the room, he'd say, no, 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 this is what I meant, this is what I said, this is what I did. So, Bill, you've, you've lived a little longer than I have, maybe 100 years or so. And um, uh, so you'll have a better memory of this than I will. But I was thinking today, I don't even think that uh, J. Edgar Hoover was, was doing this kind of stuff, at least out in the open. He was not taking things and leaking. The FBI and the Justice Department is clearly leaking uh, things that I don't even think J.F. or J. Edgar Hoover did this, did he? Well, Comey admits it in the memo. Right, I know. Because Trump, Trump asked him, you know, the FBI leaking, and Comey was, of course. But, you know, you're right in the sense that it's totally out of control now. There weren't nearly as many leaks with Obama. And the leaks are designed to hurt one guy, President Trump. And that's, that's there's a torrent of these leaks. They're coming from everywhere. And nobody really seems to care. But in the J. Edgar Hoover thing, the way he covered his butt was to get stuff and hold on it. the presidents. Correct. Get, to get dirt on JFK, Lyndon Johnson, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Um, he might even have some on Eisenhower. Yeah. All right. So that's how he did it. He blackmailed them. And then he let them know, look, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, Mr. President, I hate to tell you, but, you know, we picked up on a wiretap that you got a girlfriend in Chicago that goes out with Sam Giacana. Gee, wow. I'll never tell anybody, but uh, be careful what you say. Right. That's it, exactly what Hoover did. Right. But but at least it was compartmentalized. I'm not saying that it's good, no, I, but right. at least it was at least we. Yeah. At least we didn't have, um, you know, golden showers known by everybody. Yeah. The press never would have printed it back then. You know, I made a I made a point that I think you'll enjoy and Stu will really enjoy it. I know. <laughs> Thank you. The Sean Hannity stuff, okay, that, oh, Hannity, he's friends with Trump. Oh, look look at this. And, and it's coming out of the Washington Post. Well, who was JFK's best pal in Washington? Uh, ben, Bradley. ben Bradley. Yeah. Ben Bradley. Yeah. Who and was Ronald Reagan's best pal in Washington? How about... George Will. How about George Stephanopoulos? How about... How about, uh, 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 what's his name at uh, CBS, whose brother was in the Obama White House? Sure. Um, 
You know who I you know who I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but the the outrage on the part of the Washington Post that Hannity is talking to President Trump and has influence. And then I'm going you go into that building and you can't get it. Everywhere you look, there's Ben Bradley. Bradley's out on JFK's yacht. JFK's calling him every hour on the hour for advice. And it's funny because on the in the movie, uh, the post. Did you see it, Bill? No, I refuse. Oh no, it's actually really good. But in yeah, the but Meryl Streep is in it. I yes, know, I know, I know. I'm with you on that, uh, one, Bill. but uh, right. but for different reasons. Yeah, I think she sucks. <laughs> so so um, uh, in the movie, the Ben Bradley character even comes to that conclusion, saying, "I've I was used." I, I I was used. I mean, yeah, like he even didn't know it, sure. Even but a he, Meryl Streep movie, the characters come to the conclusion: Wow, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, but the American people don't know it, and and this is what I mean. You you we are we're living in such a dishonest age. It, it's so, from top to bottom. You know, where where are the truth tellers? Where are the people looking out for the folks? Where are they? They've seemed to disappeared off the planet now. So what do you think? The FBI raids a lawyer's office and then within three hours calls the press about some guy out in L.A. who has nothing to do with uh, the Trump investigation and ruins his life. That, that's exactly what happened. I mean, what kind of people are these? And a judge, they don't, judges don't care. Well, the judges, the judge, I'm trying to remember what the deal is with the judge, but I, I made a note someplace on the judge. This judge is, um, oh, man. Kimba Wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what was her connection? Uh, the Clintons? Because she was named. Oh, she was, yeah. she married. She was almost that's right. attorney general. Yeah. But she was, she was, um, she's but a. She had hired an illegal alien nanny. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. She was the illegal alien nanny. Uh, lady, right. uh, the right. second one, second one, yeah. and she also uh, was the was the judge that married George Soros. Yeah, which right. I, you know, this right. is just fun to throw in there. Um, yeah, I mean, but you, you know, you just step back, and I want every listener that's hearing us now to step back. So you're sitting there, you're a judge, and you have the power to uh, take all of this stuff and put it in camera. All right, which means that the the press doesn't see it. You see it, so you can make responsible decisions. All right, but you say no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let everything that the FBI picked up get out to the press, and I don't really care what lives are ruined or or yeah. who uh, is is humiliated. Even though I don't have anything to do with the Trump investigation, I don't let everything out there. I mean, come. On. Okay. And that's the age that we live in. Tell me about Rudy Giuliani and the hire that Donald Trump made there. What do you, what do you think that says? Well, I think that the uh, overall strategy on the part of the White House now is to put pressure on Mueller to stop the investigation. Okay? So that you got to start there. So Giuliani knows Mueller. And he knows uh, a lot of the players, and he brought in two people with him who are former U.S. attorneys, as he is. And I think that they're going to go in and say, all right, we need an uh, exit date. You've got to you know, tell us how long this is going to happen. And if you don't, we're going to go on a tremendous PR blitz to destroy your credibility. 
And, you know, Giuliani can do that. He's a hard guy. He's a tough guy. And I think that's what this is. All is that about. the right thing for Trump? It is because you just can't govern the way that this uh, is unfolding. Look, on BillOReilly.com, what we've been able to do is to tell our uh, listeners and our viewers on the website the damage that they are experiencing, that the regular American citizen is experiencing because of all the chaos surrounding the attacks on Trump, whether it be by the media or by the special prosecutor. So Americans themselves are being hurt, and that is what should be marketed here. I I will tell you that, um, you know, if you look at what the average America is concerned about, you do not see that reflected on cable news. Um, this, no, not all, at all. of this, that's why their numbers, yeah, uh, their ratings are declining and declining in a very dramatic way. Yeah, and and if you look at the new polling, Mueller's unfavorable rating is going up, and uh, that's what Giuliani is going to be tasked to do to negotiate an end to this. Let me let me say the change subjects. MS uh, MS 13 horrible, horrible gang um, has infiltrated America. There's now, I think, ninety five hundred members, extraordinarily violent. The uh, the New York chapter of MS 13 has just come out and said, um, you know, we're we're getting too much pushback here. Maybe it's time we start killing politicians like we do in El Salvador. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just bluster. I I covered the war in El Salvador back in 82. Um, And uh, that's a totally chaotic, violent society over there. Not anybody uh, in control of that country. So the poor people, the poor men, uh, join gangs, and MS-13 is the most powerful gang. So they say, well, there's not really a lot of money in El Salvador, so where should we go to make money? And it's like... Okay, we have open borders in the USA. Let's go here. And you think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. How did these people even get here? They're not. They didn't get here by getting a visa in San Salvador. <laughs> All right. Right. Yeah, just walk through the border right. like everybody else does. But for you uh, liberal open border people out there, so they take up camp here in uh, Long Island where I live because it's close to New York City. And, you know, their, their comrades can fly into JFK and uh, do their deals and sell their narcotics and shake down the Hispanic community, which is what they do. Um, and they establish themselves as the most violent, ruthless gang on Long Island. Um, and so what are they, you know, Trump is pointing them out. The feds are going to try to destroy them. The feds will destroy them. That will happen. So now you're getting a little bluster from MS-13. So if you look at the violence, though, that's happening across the border on our southern border in Mexico, um, they are killing mayors. They're, they are. Yeah, they kill everybody yeah. because it's the same thing in Mexico as it is in El Salvador and Honduras and Guatemala and uh, Nicaragua. So what There's is no central authority? So what is what's going to turn the tide here, Bill? For instance, half of Californians, half yeah. Support the travel ban and increased deportations. Half of right, California. Right, right. But and that's why there's a civil war in California. San Diego County voted this week to support the lawsuit against uh, Jerry Brown and the Sacramento crazies. 
Um, that's the second largest county in California. So there is a civil war in that state. But you'd never know it if you, if you listen to the media, because the people in Fresno and Bakersfield and up in Northern California, they don't have a voice in the media. They don't get a say. Let me, let me change um, topics, uh, kind of. You wrote a great op-ed um, that we're going to get into when we, when we come back about the Stalinists are here. And you are seeing this everywhere. Uh, where you are being uh, shouted down and silenced. You're just talking about the, uh, the, you know, the half of Californians that don't have a voice. Um, what happened at Starbucks is remarkable to me. And I'd like to get your uh, opinion on that. Uh, well, the, the column is posted on BillOReilly.com. We want everybody to read it if possible, because it is an important column. On Starbucks... You had a, a store manager who made a mistake. All right, the mistake was you're a couple of black guys sitting in Philadelphia Starbucks, mm-hmm. and they weren't buying anything. I think that was their policy to do that. And I, Bill, I want to get your opinion on, um, you know, there's a, there is a unspoken social contract. You you really see it if you live in New York for any period of time. You'll really begin to understand it because there are millions of people on the streets every day. And the sidewalks are large and they're packed everywhere. And people don't speak English. People may have just gotten off a plane from China. They, they don't have the same uh, rules. They don't, they don't know our culture. And yet the city works. The, the, when there's a red light, generally people stop. When there's a red you know, walking person there, you generally don't cross the street. And it's this unspoken... I'm not going to express myself differently in the middle of the road because I'll get hit by a cab in 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 today's America. There are no consequences to break the social contract. Somebody walks in. It's not unusual for a business to say the bathrooms are for paying customers. And if you really need to use the bathroom in a place like Starbucks, you say, uh, okay, can just I'll have a cup of coffee. I'll, I'll have a small. I'll have I'll have a. Could I just get a you know a dollar's worth of that cookie, please? That's the social contract. These people broke it. They sat there. This is a no loitering kind of thing. The police come. They the police tell them to leave three times, and they tell the police no. These are not. These are people with an agenda. Well, sure. And, and if you look at what's happened in San Francisco, where nothing is enforced and the whole city is collapsing and the uh, director of the tourism agency there had to go public and say, we're not going to be able to get anybody to come here anymore because so many homeless people are out of control and nobody's doing anything about it. That's the collapse of the social contract. Correct. But I don't know if the manager of a Starbucks in Philadelphia looking at two guys, two black guys sitting there. Now, the guys weren't doing anything um, to disturb other customers. They were just taking up space. They obviously were there um, for other reasons than drinking coffee. Now, they asked them politely if you know to buy something or leave. They wouldn't. The police came in, asked them, as you pointed out, they wouldn't leave. They felt entitled to sit there. So then the decision has to be made in America. Do you force them to leave, thereby creating a giant, giant 
outrage of uh, victimization, or do you just allow them to do what they're doing because they're not um, harming your business at that point? So, I mean, I feel bad for the for the all the managers that have to make that decision. But if you decide to evict a minority who's not doing anything causing a disturbance, you're going to get it. The press is going to kill you, and the victimization industry is going to kill you, and that's exactly what happened. This coming, this coming, this is amazing because this is this is um, this is what has happened to all of us with political correctness. We just said, oh, you know what? Uh, don't say anything. It's just better to move on. You know, don't say anything about, you know, the bashing of Christians or anything because it's just better to move on. Don't want to make a big deal out of it. And when do we learn our lesson on that? You can't learn your lesson because the big money is behind the grievance industry. So it's not a level playing field. I don't know whether you follow politics in Europe, but Hungary is making laws against George Soros. Yes, I know. Okay. Why? Because Soros is undermining the Hungarian society, mm-hmm. doing the same thing he did here, mm-hmm. or he's doing here, pumping tens of millions of dollars into organizations like Media Matters that are designed to tear down the fabric the traditional fabric of America in the, and in Hungary. So the strong-armed leader in Hungary, so we're going to pass a law against Doros, we're going to get him out of here. Now, you couldn't do that here because the media is sympathetic to Soros here, where in Hungary they're not. That's the difference. Yeah. So the, the, the amount of money, that is going into organizations, grievance organizations, tear down America organizations, Stalinist organizations. People think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Read the column. I back up every word I say. Bernie Goldberg coined the term uh, Stalinist, by the way, and that's exactly what these people are. If you disagree with them, they're going to destroy you. So here's but here's the, here's the thing, Bill. Are you following? Are you following the latest attack on the Second Amendment? Which I I don't hear anybody talking about this. And this is the way they will take it apart. A, a Citigroup came out a couple of weeks ago and said they are no longer going to uh, do offer any banking services to any company that manufactures or sells. Uh, firearms with uh, high capacity magazines, certain kinds of guns uh, or any gun uh, sale for anyone under 21. So they're cutting off all financial services. A week later, Bank of America comes out and says the same thing. In fact, they're not going to make any loans or offer any banking services to any gun manufacturer at all, period. And then this week, David Hogg comes out with a whole list of people uh, or funds, Wall Street funds, that invest in gun manufacturers. They are going to try to squeeze the gun manufacturers and the gun sales points of sale by choking off all of their banking services and all of their investors. And I'm sure the 17-year-old David Hogg came up with this on his own. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Right. Um, Sure, that's the attack. The attack is that we'll break the industry. Um, but here's a here's a more accessible attack. And by the way, Tim Cook, the uh, oh, yeah. CEO of Apple, 
they threatened him great. because they wanted to bring uh, to, to for him to pull off NRA TV yes. from his streaming service. Cook said no. Cook defied them. He he actually said, and this is in your article, and I love this quote: "Democracy without discourse is not a democracy." Right. Okay. Let me give you more accessible than the uh, behind-the-scenes gun financing. Fox News Channel is right on the cliff. And thereafter, they started with me a year ago. And now they thought they had Hannity um, last year. He, he fought back. He survived. They got Ingram. Now they're after Hannity again. Okay? And this is the same thing. Attack the sponsors of the Fox News channel. Make it impossible for the channel to make generate money. income, generate revenue, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And it'll go off the air, or they'll water it down, which they already have. It's already getting watered down like crazy, okay? So these techniques, Stalin just shot you in the head, mm-hmm. all right? But what Soros and the far left is doing is they're choking you economically. And who's going to do anything about it? Everybody's afraid of them. Everybody is afraid of them, including the judges and the courts. And that's what we have coming. And they'll just, they'll just knock them down one by one, Beck. I had one, by uh, one. They're going to knock them out. We had uh, Edwin Black on. I don't know if you know who he is, but he was the author of uh, IBM and the Holocaust years ago really well-researched man. Um, and he has been ringing the bell lately for something that he calls um, uh, algorithmic ghettos. And he says that, you know, uh, during World War II, Germany would just put the, the Jews behind giant walls that nobody could see. And what happened behind those walls in those ghettos, you just didn't, you didn't see. No matter how loud they cried, you couldn't hear them, you couldn't see them. And so out of sight, out of mind, it, there is no Jewish problem. Um, and he says there is an algorithmic ghetto that is now being uh, used to silence voices like yours, like mine, uh, you know, anybody who stands against Planned Parenthood, et cetera, et cetera. Ted, Ted Cruz talked about this with Facebook, um, and he is very concerned that these voices are going to be, you know, the people who, uh, who are the tree in the forest that falls, but nobody's around. We can scream, we can shout, we can say everything. We think we're getting the message out, but because of the algorithm... They have put us in a ghetto with walls around us that nobody's hearing the message. I don't think it's that bad yet. No, he, he's saying it's, there. Yeah, he's saying that we're on that road. He's not on saying we're road. there yet. Right. Yeah. I mean, we still have um, uh, we still have availabilities, but they're shrinking. Yeah. And um, but the legal system, journalism shot, not coming back ever. All right. The legal system really is concerning me now. Because it doesn't seem to be any constraints. Contracts don't matter. Threats don't matter. Boycotts don't matter. Just destroy, destroy, destroy. And there's nobody there to say, hold it. This is not what a free society allows. What we we have to do, Bill, is stop um, admiring the problems and I think start teaching the Bill of Rights. 
because the Bill of Rights are common sense and they they are the things that have always united us. And the problems with our country all stem from the violation of the, the of the Bill of Rights. Everything or the that is undermining of the whole concept. Of yes, the Bill of Rights. Correct. Correct. George Soros doesn't want the Bill of Rights. The correct. far left doesn't want it. They want totalitarianism. Funny you brought that up. On Saturday night, Beck, I'm going to be in D.C. giving the keynote address for an organization called FLAG, F-L-A-G. This is a brand new organization that is doing exactly what you said, educating younger Americans on what the Bill of Rights says, what the Constitution says. Excellent. And I'm doing it gratis, and people, if you're in the D.C. area or whatever, it's going to be at uh, at the Trump Hotel Go to BillOReilly.com. We got the information there. But you're right. It, it, these are, you have to start to bring this to the attention of the masses of people. You may have to sing about it on American Idol to get their attention. I may have to write songs back about it. Oof. oof. Uh, boy, you want to talk about destruction of everything we hold dear. That, that would be it. Um, Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye. Bill O'Reilly. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.